What's up, everybody? Chris and Dan, we're back here coming back at you with another episode of the Chris and Dan podcast. This is episode number 265. And Dan, I don't know why people haven't figured it out yet, but you shouldn't play Pitt in November. You just shouldn't, especially if you're the number two team in the country. First of all, Chris, good to see you. Good to be back. Thank you for holding down the fort last week. Yeah. Uh, but uh, boy, what a week to come back. And yeah, I think uh, I think I can't remember. I want to give credit to whoever tweeted it. I apologize for not doing so. I could probably research it and find out, but I'm, I won't. Um, <laughs> it just said that Pitt should schedule the number two con- team in the country for rivalry week, week every week. Yeah, that's Any, our in, That's that's whoever it is is number two. It's it's Pitt versus number two is the rival. Had that happen every November. Uh, I thought I saw you tweet not that long ago actually that it'd be you're all hoping for Notre Dame to be ranked number two yeah. when they beat up at this, you know next year around this time. So why that would not? Be, that would be interesting. Yeah, why not uh, throw that one in there just. Continue the tradition of the program as it is. Just a, a magical, magical week. Good to be speaking on happy terms with you uh, as the last week of the season here. It is. I um, I think it was two weeks ago when you and I were lamenting the North Carolina loss. Correct. Um, I, I thought about going back and, and, and digging up the audio, but uh, w- once again, like you, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> um but I remember saying, I think really at this point, the only way we can end the season, uh, to, the only way we can go into the off season with any type of confidence is if something crazy happens like Kenny Pickett starts and we beat Miami in the last season of the game. Yes. Last, last game of the season. Or the last season of the game, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and here we are. And it definitely is a much better feeling. And I think... Generally, the impression I get from a lot of people is that not like I don't think every anyone thinks we're gonna light the world on fire next year, but it certainly was a game that gave you a lot of different reasons to be uh, encouraged. Yeah, it doesn't change this season and what resulted this season in the record. I mean, it puts a nice finishing note to it. You know, it doesn't change a whole lot in terms of the year that we're in, but in terms of the future, we've talked about the future a lot this year, especially with the young, talented guys around it and just how things have unfolded. All you can look forward to is next year. And it was hard for us to be optimistic. That was a word we were throwing around is trying to be optimistic moving forward. And it was it was even hard to do that with some of the decisions the coaches were making. But what happened against Miami uh, Friday after Thanksgiving, Black Friday, definitely shines a brighter light on that future outlook. And I think that's all, you know, that's the biggest thing to take away from from what happened uh, on that day. Uh, again, it, it's a nice way to cap the season. You love spoiling something like that. That's that is what Pitt does. It's nice to do it at home yeah. for once. Um, but I, again, it just shines a brighter light on the future, and that's definitely what's got to be most exciting here. A bright light shining on Black Friday, Dan. You're Ooh. you're you're a poet, and you didn't know it. I, that's that's true. I like that one. That's uh, that was that was put together well. I'm just you know, just the ebbs and flows here. And 265. It's just I'm I'm back, baby. I'm, I'm I got a couple of weeks to uh, hold in all my thoughts. I'm uh, I'm coming at you firing right now. <laughs> well, that's good because we have uh, literally nothing on our show rundown this week. We're just gonna true. do what we normally do. Um, talk about 
every uh, aspect of the game, offense, defense, special teams, talk about some coaching, and then I think uh, end this episode with you know how we feel uh, after this game headed towards the offseason. And we have a lot of reaction from you guys uh, on the text line and on, from coming from Twitter, so we'll go through that. Um, but, you know, just the normal uh, post-game episode here for you, uh, except this one is going to be the happiest of the year, so that's good. That's right. Uh, so all that coming your way. Quickly, before we do, as always, uh, we want to encourage you to subscribe to our podcast, the Chris and Dan Podcast. You can look us up anywhere um, that podcasts can be streamed, and you can subscribe. We recommend places like Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, those are all good. And uh, leave us a rating and review if you have a ch- uh, chance. What else? We're on social media. We're on Twitter at Chris and Dan Pod. You can look up the Chris and Dan Podcast on Facebook and give our page a like. Um, uh, our website is chrisanddanpodcast.com. Uh, our phone line slash text line is 376 uh, 412-376- Seven one five one. That's where you can reach us any day of the week, any uh, time of day. Um, Dan is on Twitter at Steel City Dan twenty two. Double deuces are back. I am on Twitter at Chris underscore Gates, and we are brought to you uh, by Rum Runners Saloon. Uh, that's Rum Runners Saloon located at thirty three eighty five Babcock Boulevard uh, in Ross Township. Um, Dan, I don't really care where we start <laughs> so why don't you pick you pick i pick pick it kenneth pick it ladies and gentlemen let's start there did you like that is it bad yeah, that was great dan <laughs> <laughs> Thank that you. was great is it bad juju that our who, who appears to be our new starting quarterback uh has the word pick in his last name uh, it's a Chris Blewett situation all over again, really, mm, um, yeah. and and that turned out for the better in the end. So, but it's just setting up for Pun Nation to just <laughs> salivate all over it, and yeah, that'll be uh, that'll be coming. Fortunately, there was no pick right. in this game, but let's talk about Kenneth. Just um, just You're gonna call un- him Kenneth his entire career. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah, all over Kenneth. Um, what a tremendous performance yeah. by the freshman to come in in his first start and beat the number two team in the country. He wasn't perfect, but you wouldn't expect him to be. You know, I think at halftime, even Chris, he was ten for sixteen, and we said we we sat ne- we sat next to each other in this game and said, you know, six of the six incompletions, I think three. Three were drops. One was a fumble. Mm-hmm. So there, there was really not a lot of. Anything to any blame to go around on his part, just basically looking at those numbers. And it's something that you have said all is all along. Uh, Kenny Pickett finishing 18 for 29, 193 yards, one touchdown, sacked just once. When looking at Ben DiNucci's numbers, you know, the, the, the minimal numbers that he was putting up, I think something that you had said all along was don't tell me we don't have a quarterback on this roster like Kenny Pickett that couldn't match those numbers or exceed the numbers that Ben DiNucci was putting up. Yeah. And Kenny Pickett did that, and he exceeded them, not by a ton. Again, he's not throwing for 300 yards, but he was great on his feet, great in his decision-making, and it kind of makes me think about this entire process, that what we've gone through. And, and Pat Narduzzi spoke a little bit about it in his post-game presser about 
We've been calling for Pickett for quite some time. You burned his redshirt. We've been told he's going to play. We're still not seeing him play. It was at a point where the season was nearly lost, so why not play the kid, and especially the last game of the season, the way things ended against Virginia Tech last week. And you don't hear it during the weeks where you're where you're wondering what's going on, but you can hear it now saying, you know, we wanted to play Kenny. We were going to play Kenny, but he just wasn't ready, and we just wanted to give him more more time in practice with the first and second team reps because he was going from like the scout team and then you're going to throw him in the starting role like it's just not something he wanted to do so now it kind of almost makes you think they sit back here and think well they almost just played Ben DiNucci regardless of what the it was almost just like filler like we have to we have to wait a couple more weeks to play to play Kenny, and be, so he gets more ready. They're not, they didn't just want to throw him out there to the Wolves without the practice time. So it makes me kind of reevaluate that whole process. But again, that's not something you hear as it's going on. Coach Narduzzi isn't going to say, "Well, we're playing Ben because Kenny's not ready." You know, that's not going to give Ben any confidence <laughs> yeah. at all. But if you look at it now, that's the way it was, and obviously, it had paid off. And it, and again, it shines that brighter light on the future of what Kenny Pickett was able to do against one of the best defenses. In the country, right. it was just absolutely fantastic, and I couldn't be more excited to uh, to get, jump on the Kenneth bandwagon. I'm on. <laughs> yeah, the Kenny Pickett era is off to a good start. And That's right. You even have to take it back to the Virginia Tech game where he put up um, some good numbers and a good sure. performance as well. And the combination of the two, like you kind of led that off with, yeah, I mean, it tells us that there there is somebody that can um, – can exceed the what 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 seemed to be the standard that Ben DiNucci was setting, which is about you know 140 150 yards, and at best you're breaking even touchdown interception. Mm-hmm. Um, Kenny Pickett, while his and you know eight, like you said that 18 to 29 probably should have been more like 22 to 29 for right. for at who least. knows what other yardage there there would have been. Um, off the top of my head, I can remember. Jester Wea dropping a ball, and um, Maurice French dropped two passes two, yeah. on Friday. Uh, so you never know what, what uh, the numbers could have been and, and really how much more the offense could have produced as a, as a unit. But um, it, it's not, it goes beyond the numbers. It, you know, Kenny Pickett yeah. added 60 yards rushing on the day. But there were moments when – and uh, – I, I put a GIF out there on Twitter and got a lot of positive reaction to it, which makes me think a lot of people maybe felt the same way. There were moments like in the second quarter, you're down 7-3. to three. Kenny Pickett scrambles out of the pocket, two Miami defenders in his way, and he lowers his shoulder, runs over them to get the extra two yards and get a first down. That's like, right. That is something that's been missing from a pit quarterback for a really long time. Um, that, that was, uh, I've been calling it his Tyler Palco moment because even though Pitt has had quarterbacks that have done relatively well, you know, uh, obviously Nate Peterman had a good career here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, 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 there are other guys that have, have, have performed well. Bill Stahl had a good year here. Uh, I, I think that there, there's some element of, you know, just having a gamer back there, a guy that's going to, you know, lay it out all out on the line. And 
And uh, you know, I you know don't want to overreact too much because we got you know, he's played he's started one game, sure. But just that first taste of that, where you know, and and then there was later on him diving into the end zone and doing a, a full front flip just to get over the goal line. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. There's something inspiring about a guy that's going to go out there and and give it absolutely everything he has. And I think that has to motivate his his teammates and motivate the offense and probably motivate his offensive coordinator to say, well, I could put him in some positions that I didn't feel comfortable with any of our other quarterbacks. Because you know Max Brown wasn't going to move like that. And Ben DiNucci too many times ran, willingly ran out of bounds or slid mm-hmm. you know, two yards short of a first down. So it was refreshing in, you know, besides the numbers, in, another, in a number of other um, ways, it was, it was an inspiring performance. Absolutely. And again, for his first start ever, he's obviously seen some time. You mentioned the time that he got against Virginia Tech the week prior. But still, facing the number two team in the country, an undefeated team with an uh, incredible defense whose you know, basis of creating turnovers is what's led them to the number two ranking in the country, yeah. to go in there and be fearless. And that kind of goes to what you were speaking of. Yeah, about if he's, if he's fearless against that defense, what is he going to fear? Exactly. And in that environment, this early on in his career, when he really has – and an opportunity like that, nothing to lose and everything to gain, still being so young and so inexperienced to go up and, sh- and show no fear in those instances, lowering his shoulder, tucking his shin, going for it, and inspires the, his offense, like you, yeah, like you said, and inspires the defense probably as well, the, t- the team as a whole, like yeah. this dude is ready to go, and, and he's putting it all out there. It inspires the fan base. That fan base was on its feet more often in that game than most games – Combined this year, it was just something to really motivate about. And again, it's just, I mean, its it brought the best out of Kadri Olison, I think. Yeah, he was running <laughs> he, people He all of over. a sudden, he found his, his old self a bit there as well. It was definitely inspiring. At, even to the offensive line, uh, had, had to be inspiring. So much so, talking about the play towards the end of the game where uh, it was the fourth and sixth play that was, you know, we can get into that a little bit more, but I'm sure you heard in. Pat Narduzzi's post-game presser as well, that that was a sucker play. That <laughs> he didn't tell the offensive line that Kenny Pickett was going to roll out to the left and run, that they thought the play was going you right. Gotta hope, the- you got to hope in, moving forward when Kenny Pickett calls plays, the entire <laughs> offense doesn't think, is he lying? They're like, is he lying? Is this really going to do this? <laughs> that was absolutely brilliant. Uh, credit to, to Sean Watson and Pat but Narduzzi But you got to have there. a lot of confidence in a freshman quarterback to do that. Exactly, exactly. And he was able to do it, again, showing no fear at any point in this game, and by no means was perfect, but was was exactly what you needed your quarterback to be and more, and he's shown so much in so little time. Uh, but that's the one thing that yeah, I can take away that, yeah, he, was, he has this fear, fearless mentality, like you said, lowering his shoulder at times, you know, not sliding. You know, he did that a number of times when he took off and ran. He's really... He's really set and ready to to lead this offense uh, into the future next year, it seems, and it's something to rally around, no doubt. I think you're right about how, you know, aside from the offense, it it, it kind of inspired the rest of the team. There was something different about the that whole sideline on, yeah. on Friday. And, uh, you know, like late in the game where you had – the offense was driving, and basically the entire defense was dancing on the sideline. Dance party on the sideline was great. That was that – was, <laughs> 
so much fun. And then apparently uh, I, I heard uh, or I saw a video of Brian O'Neill in the post game. Apparently during that drive, that clock eating drive where Pitt ended up scoring uh, on that that kind of end around dummy play. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian O'Neill said, Kenny, P- I guess there were a couple guys in the huddle talking about, you know, talking about what they were going to do, how they were going to score and how they were eating up clock. Brian O'Neill said he grabbed them. Kenny Pickett grabbed them and told him to shut up. And he said, you know, we got to focus on the next play. So, wow. you know, a freshman being able to to step in into that situation just, I mean, it, there there's there's so many examples of how, how impressive that is. And I think it, it obviously has people pretty excited about what the future could be. And, and really, you know, it was in a whole, you know, we're talking about these, like these different levels of how it was an inspiring performance. It was also a, a relief to be completely honest because yeah, we had, uh, we, along with a lot of other people have been saying, can we, can we put Kenny Pickett in there? Can we please start him? But we were sent, we've said on episodes, like just because we don't know what we have. And right. I remember having a conversation after the North Carolina game, you know, thinking if if we don't give Kenny Pickett a shot before the end of the year, we we will essentially know nothing about him. And when you know nothing about him, you have no reason to have any type of hope or optimism. And the other fear is you put him in there and he does no better than what, what you already have. Right. And then you look at the quarterback depth chart and Ben DiNucci's not necessarily doing it for you. Thomas McVitie is playing on punt coverage. And then if Kenny Pickett goes in there and, is, and, and you know, lays an egg, then you're like, holy hell, like how, how long is it going to be till we can finally get a guy in here that can play? So it was that in just another way, it was along with being inspiring. Uh, it was also just a relief to think like, OK, we can go to the offseason and, and think that you got a guy that's determined, that's talented and can continue to take steps forward because that's that's humongous with all the talent coming back like that would be a absolutely monstrous gaping hole if you have this defense that looks good you have these weapons on offense but you don't have anybody that can run it yeah and a, and a big relief too that you know not not only knowing that but knowing now that it seems like Pitt has finally found a quarterback that they've recruited <laughs> and that yeah. is young is going to be here for a while. Right. And they don't have to go the graduate, the transfer route, anything like that to put these band-aids over that. Pat Narduzzi talked about that a couple of weeks ago by saying, you know, he knew when he got here that they, they had an issue at quarterback. Yeah. And they've had to do that until they can find that guy. And, and apparently, yeah, McVitie is not, not that guy, at least right now. And it seems like they finally may have found that guy in Kenny Pickett. Again, I don't want to blow it over out of proportion because we're talking about one game and a little bit of spot duty that we're talking about. But it's just something to be inspired about because of the way that he played. Again, like you mentioned, not necessarily the numbers he put up, things like that. But the way he played and the way he led is something that you can be excited about for the future. And I know we're going to go into camp next year and he'll be favored to be the the starter, but they they're not going to announce that. You know, we know how this is all going to go, but it it would be a huge relief to know for sure that Pitt has finally found their guy, a young kid that's going to be here for a couple of years that they can continue to work with and develop with hopefully the same offensive coordinator <laughs> and and grow this way because that that is what Pitt needs to get the consistency you know, back on track to get to that consistent, you know, seven, eight, nine, 
win seasons and continually getting to bowl games in ACC championship games. Putting it Band-Aids with Band-Aid quarterbacks isn't the answer all the time. It's worked, but it's not what you want to see from a program in developing it. And so I think that's, that's another big relief for me is thinking, oh, boy, we don't have to go into next season with all of these question marks. There's still a, a lot of them out there. But yeah. like you said, that, that's a gaping hole with no answers at quarterback if we wouldn't have seen anything from Pickett. Uh, before the season was over right because you still have on offense you know you're losing Jester Wea uh you're gonna lose uh a couple offensive linemen at least so there there are still gonna be question marks back there and uh (laughs) you know it just makes those question marks not as big of a deal when you think you have a pretty good idea of what you have in a quarterback and that idea is a guy that can play yeah. So that's uh, that's all good. And it was it's something else I noticed about kind of a, uh, a side effect of Kenny Pickett's uh, strong play was that all of a sudden Sean Watson looked like a much better offensive coordinator. It's funny yeah. how that works. Called the game of his life, it <laughs> seemed. Yeah, very funny how that works. It's I'm not sure how to really explain that, but I think, yeah, maybe you're right with – the confidence factor that Kenny showed that maybe Sean Watson had that confidence in saying, all right, I've got a much bigger playbook to work with here, and this is a kid that I can trust to make the right decisions. If he doesn't see the right thing as the play is developing, he's going to throw the ball away. He's not going to take the sack. Just making simple decisions instead of setting up third and nine, third and ten, third and long, which we saw often in, with Ben DiNucci because you know they would <laughs> – we saw it against North Carolina where they try to throw on first down – run on second down, and then you're left with third and eight. Too many times. Yeah. And so the fact that they were able to move the ball, still run the ball, and even when Darren Hall's been the guy for the most of this year, he may ne- he wasn't necessarily the guy in this game. Kadri Olsen showed up in the big moments. They moved the ball, balanced offense. Sean Watson was making, you know, the the best decisions he's made all year, in my opinion. It was it's It's crazy the difference in play calling we saw over the past year to this game, yeah, and I think a lot of it has to do just with his confidence in Kenny. And and going back, going way back uh, to the Syracuse game where they had to make that split-second decision to put Kenny in for one play, is it really worth it? And how we talked about how that likely being Sean Watson's decision shows you the confidence that he's had in him the whole time. Maybe this is what he's been waiting for. Maybe this is what we've been waiting for and what we need. If Sean Watson continued to play calls this way with this quarterback, then, boy, there'll be a lot less things to complain about next year. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, you know, it's worth, it, yeah, it's, it's worth noting how a, a, good, a good quarterback can make, I mean, it makes an offense, and it can make an offensive coordinator look great or terrible, depending on the quality of the quarterback. I mean, it's such an important position, and everybody already knows that. But, like, look at... You know, LSU has improved as the year has gone on, but mm-hmm. they they are like the poster program for you know underdevelopment of quarterbacks. And look how they've look how you know just pissed off and beside themselves that fan base has always been because they can't because they, their offense is underwhelming. And you've had guys like yes. Leonard Fournette there, yes, um, and they're still not scoring as many points as you think they should. And even at the beginning of this year. You know they they don't they don't have uh, they they don't have really a, an ideal situation. Matt Canada has been under a lot of fire, and it's probably because they just don't have a good quarterback. Um, yeah. If you have a guy that can be a threat 
in multiple ways, it's going to make it that much easier to call a game because Kenny Pickett, I mean, he, he threw the ball 29 times. He, he carried it 13 times. So that's more than half of the offensive plays that Pitt ran. Kenny Pickett had a hand in it somehow. And, uh, you know, if you have – if you drop back and the protection isn't there, you have a guy that can identify a running lane and get through it, then you pick up yardage on a play that would have been a sack for a loss if probably Max Brown is back there. So, you know, he 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 a good quarterback can make a offensive coordinator look pretty darn good too. And to Sean Watson's credit, he put Kenny Pickett in really good situations, put conf- put his confidence and trust in Kenny Pickett um in ways that just blew my mind is that 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 fourth and six uh sucker play i i could not believe that we were running that and then it obviously worked out as perfectly as it possibly could have um sean watson deserves a lot of credit we've given him a lot of crap yeah this year and um you know i i think some of it's deserved Sometimes we we did kind of talk about well you know what wh- what are some reasons why this could be happening, and you know part of it was y- your quarterback situation is not ideal, um, but generally speaking we gave Sean Watson a lot of crap and he kind of threw all that back at the fan base on Friday, and he deserves a ton of credit. Yeah, no doubt about it, and I think this is the quarterback that he wants, and this is why Pat Narduzzi brought him in because. Not a, not only around college football in general, but look at the ACC guys that you had in Deshaun Watson, uh, Lamar Jackson, uh, Mitchell Trubisky got out and ran quite a bit, and then even the three four quarterbacks that North Carolina uses now run quite a bit. That's all over the conference, and that's how you have to going to have to win games in this conference. Not only with just a strong running game isn't going to win you games consistently enough in the ACC anymore. You have to have a balanced balanced offense. And a quarterback that can do that, especially, again, in the ACC, because if you run down a list of quarterbacks that are dual threat like that, it's the it's the teams that are at the top of the list. Yeah. Uh, Virginia Tech uh, as well. So, it, again, it's I think it's, his, it's the type of quarterback that he wants. It's a guy that has a well-balanced skill set where Ben DiNucci can get out and run, but isn't the greatest passer in the world. Max Brown, like you mentioned, a much better passer, but isn't going to get scoot out and run around as much. Will maybe take a sack in more instances in those type of plays. So you have the quarterback that's fit for Sean Watson's offense now, uh, the type of kid that he wanted, and now moving forward that hopefully we can see that type of offense that we've heard about when we first heard of uh, Sean Watson's hiring. Yeah, and Sean Watson, I mean, much of his... Uh, fame as an offensive coordinator came from his work with Teddy Bridgewater. Yes. Who's a guy that can throw and a guy that can run. So obviously if you can get a guy in there that can do those types of things, Sean Watson probably can find a a way to put an effective game plan around him. So we'll see. Uh, But, you know, that was a a good way to end the season as well, um, considering how, how much scrutiny we and others in the fan base uh, threw at Sean Watson. Um, anything else offensively that stuck out to you? No, just uh, just really happy with the balance. Uh, Kajriolis, and we mentioned a little bit already, especially in the fourth quarter, that drive, uh, and in the second half, um, or I should say more in the second quarter, we saw a lot of him finding success running the ball. You and I questioned, why aren't they going back to Olison with the yeah. success he was having? It took too long. Yeah, it took too long to get back to that. The, the, the offense stuttered a bit 
in the fourth quarter when you needed them to move the ball the most. It's like, at least get a first down to eat up more clock. They couldn't do it, and the defense responded immediately, which we'll get to. Uh, but even in times like that, it was it was nice to see him get back to old form, and you had that stable of running backs that they've had back there for years now. And it, this was, again, one of the games that showed why and how important that is and the skill level that Kadri Olsen does have. So that was definitely uh, awesome to see. Um, seeing Jester Wea out there for the last time, you know you're going to miss some of the big plays that he's able to make. But, yeah, it was definitely exciting to be able to watch the the offense overall, the offensive line. Everybody played to their maximum effort. Everybody was out there fired up for the seniors, I thought. So, yeah, gr- great day with the offense, no doubt. Uh, and a great day with the defense as well. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it felt like there were more sacks and quarterback hurries in this game than every game prior to it combined. Right. Four sacks for the defense. Uh, also, <laughs> 11 passes defended. Uh, 11 Unreal. Pass- and some of those were at the line, so give the defensive line credit. The defensive line had more pressure uh, than we've seen all year. They were better against the run than we've seen all year. Um, Avante Maddox probably played one of his best games as a Pitt Panther in his no final doubt. game as a Pitt Panther. Um, and what's it like to like? Do you think on a on a weekly basis, like, wh- do you think about how you are were like the first person to identify Dane Jackson? I do. Yeah, absolutely I do. <laughs> I, on a weekly, sometimes daily basis. Because I think about it every time I watch this defense now. I'm like, Dan somehow like knew that Dane Jackson was going to be good when nobody knew he was going to be good. Yeah, it, it's been a joy, really, to watch it <laughs> unfold because I was just like waiting for it to come back down down to earth a little bit. Um, he's, in my, he's in my running. We're going to do a season recap uh, later down the line, but he's in my running for MVP this year he is no doubt about it but uh, yeah just a fantastic performance from him again this defense as a whole I want to start with Avante Maddox which you mentioned as well two sacks two tackles for loss two pass breakups and of course the forced fumble at the end of the game played yeah like you mentioned one of the best games of his life in the last game of his life as it would seem to be just unbelievable Rashad Weaver he might get a look he might get a look he might he might get a look somewhere yeah yeah I, I wouldn't a, be. I mean, he, he'll be on a training camp roster somewhere. Yeah, I think it's safe to say there. Yeah, that's a, that's that's probably safe to say. Uh, he's had an unbelievable senior year. Yeah. Avante Maddox has, and he, you know, got a lot of crap from us as well, and a lot of Pitt fans because of the roller coaster his career has been from where it started to where it kind of was. Where you expected him to grow and be better. Yeah, I mean it was the La- it was the Lafayette Pitt syndrome of having a great freshman year, but it seemed like he wasn't ever going to improve from that. Right, right, and 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 it's he found a way, and it was it was the guy, you know, we thought this was the final guy of that old era of bad habits, and he is just too hard for him to break bad habits for that long, and it was you know it's looking to the future, uh, and the Paris Fords, the Dane Jacksons. The Motleys, the other guys that maybe don't have as bad of habits, um, but he was able to turn it around this year. He he really was. I, I was really impressed the turnaround I saw from Avante Maddox uh, this year. Uh, yes, yeah, six tackles for loss by the team as a whole. It was just an unbelievable defensive performance. They answered the bell every time. Yeah, every single time when you knew that Miami was capable of being. You know, a quick score away 
on offense, not only just because of how Miami's played this year, but against by how this Pitt's defense has been exposed a number of times this year, giving up the big plays. Uh, they really didn't do it until the end of the game when Miami had a late score there quickly. Uh, the game could have gone that way. The, the entire game could have been quick scores by Miami the way that they, uh, as quickly as they did score at the end of the game, but it wasn't, and thanks to the defense. I talked about how the offense was kind of stuttering a bit there in the fourth quarter, but the defense, every single time when it was, here's an opportunity for Miami to get back up in this game, answered it every time, and it was it was extremely impressive, a phenomenal e- uh, effort as the unit total. Uh, I can't speak highly enough about, about what we saw from them. It was just absolutely unreal forced Miami into a lot of third and longs you know they had a lot of third downs overall uh, but a lot of them were third and long and they they were only successful on four out of 15 of third downs was Miami and again that can't you know just goes credit to the defense and what they were able to do so boy what a what a strange year it's been and 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 quite the turnaround on defense we talked about Josh Conklin at the early portion of this season, Chris, about how he has got to show something this year. We understand how young the defense is, but it has got to improve from last year. And remarkably, they did um, in some big strides at times uh, against some really, really tough opponents. And they they were never better than they were Friday against Miami from start to finish. Was It was just so fun to watch. Yeah, I think the as much as we talked about the offense, and I think if you break this episode out by like time spent on one topic, we'll probably yeah. the majority of this episode will probably have been talking about Kenny Pickett. But right. I think that the real true reason Pitt won this game was because of the how the defense played. For sure. Uh the offense was a was a absolutely stunning surprise. Um and that goes Kind of, it's kind of that kind of speaks to now what we are able to expect and see from the defense because this to me, like Kenny Pickett's performance, goes back to the Virginia Tech game. Uh, they were fantastic against Virginia Tech, and they were even more so against Miami. Um, I mean, this game was twenty four seven, and it would there was no doubt there was. It got to a point where you know we all know what pitting is, right? And yeah. Miami scores a touchdown and recovers a uh the recovers the kickoff and you're mm-hmm. and and automatically you would think all oh, Pitt's going to find a way to lose this game. But the way the defense was playing, I wasn't worried. Man, I was I was more like, okay, we're really going to like get, do this, but the defense had been playing so well. Uh it's it, it, and it, it's really amazing to think about wh- who the defense did it with because your boy Dane Jackson obviously is one of them, but like, and, and uh, Avante Maddox is another. Mm-hmm. But all that pressure up front was from young kids, and yeah. I thought this was the best game the linebackers have played all year, and that's all coming from young kids. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's really remarkable and amazing to think that. The defense has finally started to get to a point where we thought it would be with Pat Narduzzi here. Um, and <laughs> you know, boy, are we a far cry away from that North Carolina game. I still don't understand how that happened. But, <laughs> oh, I mean. I never will. <laughs> because after, because leading up to the North Carolina game, we were saying Josh Conklin finally starting to show us this year that, you know, this defense is going to improve. The North Carolina game happened, and we're saying, Josh Conklin, what the hell are you doing? You know, maybe you're right. not. 
and then like they, what happened? Yeah, yeah. And then they follow that up with these two games, and it instills a lot more confidence. I think, without a doubt, without a doubt, and like you said, it's it's even more, you know, inspiring with it because it's coming from those young guys, um, that have a lot of a few of them appeared out of nowhere this year, and it was just you saw them develop. You're right, the linebackers had a fantastic game. I thought Elijah Zeiss had a great game. Two pass breakups uh, from him. Alone, it it was it was from the front all the way to the back. But you're right that that pressure started up front, and that's really that's really where it began because Miami couldn't get the running game going at all, and it it uh, forced Rozier into trying to make some throws, some throws, uh, which he missed a lot of. Yeah, he there's was like no doubt. Fifteen to thirty-four, I think. Yeah, he they went for it. They went for it on the long ball uh, quite a few times, and he was overthrowing his receivers quite often. It, it's just. Something that he couldn't get he couldn't get comfortable with, but it wasn't a story of Miami's quarterback having a bad game or Miami not being able to to run the ball or turnovers or anything like that. It was all forced from that pressure that the pit defense was able to start up with up front and again lead all the way to the back. So you're right. The story of the game for me, as much as we can talk and want to talk about Kenny Pickett, the defense led the way from 60 minutes on the clock to triple zeros. And yeah, you know, we've seen this team in two halves kind of, you know, a story of two halves more than once this year and going back in last year's and you never saw the defense uh take a step back or show any signs of weakness. They were confident the entire game and like you said even when it got down to uh the onside kick and in in a poor call. I think we can all say by that a poor a poor call on the field. By letting Miami recover that, yeah, I, you know, I don't get. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's so frustrating when you find yourself in a review situation and they don't have, they don't have the camera angle that you're supposed right. to have. Right, and they've got and ESPN is there covering this game, and they usually bring in some more Wasn't cameras. Was it on and ABC? Had, it was the noon ABC game. It was the yeah, yeah. It was the ABC game. So they, they had they had the, the the national broadcast there, and they usually bring in some more cameras, and, and you don't have a. A camera down the sideline to get a better look at that is is extremely confusing. So that was yeah yeah not ideal. I didn't I didn't like the call at all. And uh, but again the defense they did what they had to do and it was just really inspiring. I think both sides of the ball, the offense inspired the defense just as much as the defense was able to inspire the offense. And like we said, the way that the team was interacting on the sideline. Uh, getting all sorts of fired up was really just, you know, inspiring for all sides of it. And again, we talk about the young guys. What it what it means for the future is even more exciting. Yeah, um, one of those young guys, Amir Watts, is um, not only was his play inspiring, but his dance moves were inspiring. <laughs> oh, yes, they were. Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's the one. Well, he was the one in the middle of the dance circle at Clemson last year. Uh, and I'm pretty sure he was the one that started all that up on the sideline where the defense was going nuts. Mm -hmm. Um, And there was one point in this game where (laughs) Miami was up on the line and um, the offensive lineman and Rozier for Miami were kind of like pointing stuff out at Pitt's defense, and Amir Watts got up out of his stance and started pointing right back at them and waving his arms, and I just started <laughs> laughing my ass off in the stands, man. It was so funny. But, yeah, um, yeah there's a lot to like there, um, a lot to like. And you know Avante Maddox is gone. You assume Jordan Whitehead probably will go, and it's nice to not feel terrified about that. 
Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, you know, we can talk about Jordan Whitehead's year as a whole when we do it more of the, the season recap and things like that. But, it, yeah, it's definitely less terrifying than you would have expected to be maybe at the beginning of this season um, because of those young guys stepping up. Uh, you got a kid just, named Paris Ford who's going to be You do. He's not supposed to be eligible. too bad. Yeah. Yeah, right. He's not supposed to be um, – too bad. Talk about another guy about leading the dance moves on the sideline. Paris Ford seemed to be <laughs> the first. It was like the first <laughs> tackle of the game. Uh, uh, Miami player was pushed out of bounds under the pit sideline, and Paris Ford was like in his face yelling at him. The first yeah. play of the yeah, game. Yeah, was he like, was. Okay, that's good. <laughs> he was. Yeah. Um, so you know, giving Josh Conklin the credit as well that is deserved to be able to. Work with his guys and develop his guys that are now, you know, blossoming into potential stars here on this team. I mean, again, I, talk about the turnaround from this defense from a year ago as to what it is now, and know that even with the loss of those guys that you mentioned, that they have the, they have the capability of getting even stronger, even better collectively as a whole. Uh, you take you can take a superstar, a stud player away, but the unit as an as an eleven man unit can still get stronger and better next year, uh, even with the loss of players like that. And that's, again, um, you know, that's that gives you more motivation to be excited for next year, without a doubt, that both both sides of the ball, there are less question marks now than I think we would have expected there to be, at, you know, six weeks ago at this time, eight, eight weeks ago, where we thought all the question marks at, at, at many, many positions across the board not only for this season and next season, now a lot of those got answered and gives you more, a little bit more uh, of a deep breath to take heading into next year and into camp. Yeah, no doubt about it. Even though um, I saw a tweet from Mark Madden that said Pitt's win against Miami, like nothing tangible came from from that win. So despite the way that you feel, Dan, you, you, should, you should feel no different. No different this at all. This is just yeah, like I- if Pitt lost to Miami. It would be the same thing, the same feelings either way, yeah. no doubt. Um, <laughs> Want to touch on special teams real quick? Yeah, yeah, let's do that. I, I don't, um, I don't understand why people keep kicking the Quadri Henderson. Uh, he didn't do, he didn't do anything that really blow blew you away. Uh, he had one kick return for thirty yards and <laughs> credited with three punt returns for eleven yards, but that was pro- they, they were probably the most Im- impressive eleven yards I think I've seen. One of, <laughs> yeah. one of them was. On a play where he he ended up just cutting the ball off. Essentially, the ball was rolling. He picked it up, and he actually backtracked and was able to get his yardage back. But just mm-hmm. to be able to cut the ball off and, and hold field position was great. He had a 10-yard return. Um, and something didn't even mention earlier on, uh, Quadri Henderson caught a few passes, which was encouraging to see, too. So I thought his day was good. And then Alex Kessman nails a, a 46-yarder. That's impressive as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's something you want to see from the young kid and Alex Kessman, who's had you know an up and down year, but has made some some long kicks, and that's something that's uh, encouraging to see in the future you have with him. Uh, yeah, Quadri Henderson, 100 total all-purpose yards on the day. Uh, you know, it's nice now, now that it appears he's been healthy the later half of the season that he's really shown back into his old form and that he's dangerous on many facets. Uh, on offense and special teams. And then, of course, our boy Ryan Winslow going out with a bang. He should get a look. He really should get a look oh, for because sure. he's he's been absolutely fantastic. I was shocked that he kicked one into the end zone 
<laughs> uh, for a touchback on Friday, but he's, you know, very undervalued and underrated in a lot of, uh, in, in a lot of different ways. But you know, he he definitely goes, um, you know, with some recognition from us that as he as he does really every single week that he's just consistent, and that's nice to have in a punter because if you looked at the other side of the field in Miami and their punter, he didn't just have. It wasn't. It, it just wasn't his day, like it, for at all. Like he it was just. It was bad. He had one good kick out of ten. Yeah. They punted the ball ten times. One of them was good. Uh, he had a rough one. So just just take that into consideration when uh, you have a guy that's so consistent in Ryan Winslow that you, you can take for granted easily because it it boy it it changed field position in this game a lot, the way that uh, the Miami punter was handling the ball. Yeah, that Miami punter had that one. It was a 50-yarder. <laughs> and then the rest of his uh, punts combined were like an average of less than 30 yards a punt. Uh, yeah, a couple of side footers and all that. Yeah, no good. Yeah, and uh, our our buddies who sit a little up higher uh, than us said one of those punts uh, from Fiegel's actually went off his shin. So. Be, just be happy <laughs> Ryan Winslow doesn't uh, ever do stuff like that. Because, I mean, th- th- there were some huge uh, field position battles throughout this game, and Miami suffered greatly because their punter was trash. Absolutely, yeah. It, it made a big difference, and especially for the amount of times that they ha- they were forced to punt, again, going back and giving credit to the defense. But it made a, it made a big impact on this game, and, you know, Ryan Winslow will definitely definitely be missed uh, in the future, he's had a he's had a great career and a guy that will miss uh, miss not seeing in, bla- in in the the blue and gold anymore. Yep, um, it'll be interesting to see how that position plays out next year. Um, that might be the biggest question mark, Chris, which is a big relief. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the punter? Who's the punter? Yeah, <laughs> can only be so lucky. Um, I suppose we touched on coaching throughout. So any any anything additional uh, that you have? Yeah, I mean, shouts out to the coach, coaching staff as a whole. This was their best coaching performance of the year on all, on all sides of the ball uh, again, and we've given them a lot of you know a lot of a little bit, a little bit of smack this year, more so than we have in the history of this podcast. Yeah, deservedly so. Deservedly so. Mm-hmm. I take none of it back. <laughs> I feel no regret. None. None regrets. Uh, but it was nice to see. It, it was good to see things come together collectively for once, because it's not necessarily all coaches that we've had problems with. It's one side of the ball, and it's you know Pat Narduzzi he got more uh, from us than he has ever probably in the history of this podcast combined. But we we weren't happy with a lot of the decisions, and, and again, rightfully so, the way that this season has gone. But he finds a way. He finds a way to come up in special moments. You know, it, it, we heard that he guaranteed that Pitt was going to win the game at halftime. They showed the uh, he released the hype video that they showed to the players before the game uh, that showed highlights of the of course thirteen nine and of course last year's upset at Clemson and really again just finding ways to motivate these players on Senior Day regardless of the crowd size regardless of any of it regardless of the time of the year regardless of the opponent finding a way to make it happen and yeah I give the the coaches a lot of credit for coaching there best game of the year and finding a way to get these guys get these guys ready for such a for such a tough opponent and be able to do it and in a in a in a just again the game wasn't close the game wasn't close no, until it late wasn't. and you know again i, I got to give them uh give them credit this game that they they were able to do it and get this team to come together on a uh 
uh, on a difficult week, a holiday week, and I, I, I was I was pleased. I, I really was uh, pleased with the coaches this week. Same here, and uh, you mentioned the crowd. I actually thought the crowd was um, relatively decent considering this is normally like the worst attended game of the year. Yeah, yeah, that was I was definitely pleased to see that. I wasn't expecting uh with again with the with the opponent with it being the day of the week that it is, uh, you know, Friday after Thanksgiving, you you knew with things like that that you're not going to get a lot of students cuz they're away, but the the rest of the crowd and the rest of the fan base showed up and for the most part they were they were fired up and on their feet quite a bit. Uh, especially, uh, you know, as the game went along and it became more real to people, I thought. So it was, that was encouraging to see, yeah. Um, all right, well, you want to get to the reaction that we have? Let's do that. I love that. All right. I um, I have more reaction as to, like, like long-term. Uh, so do you want to start with the texts first? Because I think the texts are more directed towards the actual game. They are. You're right. Yeah, let's start with those. Uh, first one, short and sweet. Love it from our buddy Andrew Westby, who who chimes in every week with us. Put Pitt in. Hail forever. I love you all. <laughs> Fantastic. That's good. That's absolutely good. And then my roommate, our buddy, Rick. <laughs> Rick's back again uh, with a couple of texts from uh, after after Friday's win. He starts off talking about the coaches where we left off here. Uh, Rick says, hats off to the coaches today. They've come under a lot of heat this season, but they showed up today. I wanted to see how Watson did with a week to focus on Pickett. He didn't disappoint. Watson had great play calling all day and utilized all weapons. Kudos to Conklin as well. We were in a defensive battle in the second half, and we were by far the better team. For all of those people who will inevitably be a buzzkill and say, where's this, where's this Pitt team been all year? The answer is Kenneth Pickett. I added the Kenneth part there. Um, <laughs> he said, uh, he goes on to say, and he's done it against the best two defenses in the Coastal. Future is bright. Indeed, Rick. Indeed, the future is bright. Um, that's what we got on the text line, talking about uh, ending it with the future being bright there. And uh, what do you have from uh, the other folks via Twittersphere, Chris, about uh, about that future? Yeah, I asked the question, how did Friday's win make you feel headed into the offseason? Um, and got quite a few responses. Uh, Andrew Westby checked in on Twitter as well, at I underscore am underscore Andy113, said, long answer short, uh, he feels way too confident. So there's <laughs> that's, that. That's fair. That's absolutely fair. Jeem uh, uh, at the Jeem team says, I was already confident that next season would be better, but the Miami win helps generate excitement that may not have been there otherwise. I think Pitt goes bowling again next year, then makes a serious run at an ACC title in 2019. Um, I agree with a lot of that. I think the schedule is still relatively it, – it's not as difficult as this year um, in 2018, but it's still difficult. You still have Penn State and Notre Dame on there. Um, yeah. So who knows? It's, uh, it's, it's far enough away right now that I, I say who knows, but I, I do agree that I think they'll be uh, – in the win-loss column, they'll be a few notches better at least – yeah, for sure. Next year. Uh, Forbes At Forbes Quad checks in. Uh, I am now back into the evergreen. Next year will be the year mode. Uh, I anxiously <laughs> await the coaching, uh, the coaching churn, injuries, suspensions, dismissals that will surely sabotage the start of next season. 
come on now, Forbes Claw. <laughs> That's the inevitable. It can't be all that positive. You got to have one of those things creep in. <laughs> Matt Wukovich at Wuk Tang uh, says he's extremely excited. Uh, I still think 2018 will be another building year with a step in the right direction and lots of growth. 2019 should be the year the program really takes off. Uh, once again, I completely agree with you there. Um, let's see here. At the Shark 77 uh, says he's booking his 2018 ACC championship game. Uh, tickets, uh, as well as his 2019 Orange Bowl tickets. Ooh. So. Okay. Okay. There's confidence for you. Uh, for, I should have mentioned uh, Forbes Quad says that uh, he or she, it's a building. So it. That's true. It, yeah. We shouldn't identify by gender there. The building feels great. The building just knows how this goes. Um, <laughs> Anthony Brown at TW Sports 7. Uh, said, methinks Kenny Pickett, he said Kenny, not Kenneth, methinks Kenny Pickett <laughs> will finally take Pitt to the promised land, a.k.a. not losing to North Carolina. In all seri- yes. seriousness, the defense has been good all year, and Friday they were great, only going to get better with so many freshmen and sophomores playing. Agent Michael Scarn at Spano underscore 97, uh, preferred tweeter says uh, he's excited that we found a QB and the defense is finding its groove. Uh, The schedule is very tough, though, next year with Penn State and Notre Dame. Here is to hoping Frost Frost leaves UCF, and all signs, I think, point to that. Yeah, Um, I think so. By the way, uh, I woke up this morning and saw a tweet that said Todd Graham is expected to be fired at Arizona State. Oh, is that right? What a shame. And I thought, you know, he has so much family out that way. Right. What are they going to do? It's such a shame. Yeah. <laughs> um, Rick uh, checks in on Twitter as well at the Rick eight one five said uh, the win against Miami. Miami. Uh, it's honestly the difference between being flatlined and having a pulse headed into the off season. And I'm going to refresh. And I don't have anything else. I'm going to go over to the Chris. I don't know if we get. Do we get anything on the podcast Twitter at Chris and Dan Pod? I'm going to find out, Dan. You're going to find out. I think there might have been a couple of uh, just celebratory remarks there, perhaps in the moment. Did you see Brett Bielma uh, got fired, too? I did. I did see that. Brett Bielma to Kent State, baby. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's see. Uh, No, nothing really over over there. So, I uh, yeah, so that's it for the the reaction. And just generally me, I mean, you know, I agree with a lot of people. I, I think... The way Rick said it, where it's the difference between being flatlined or having a pulse, that that that's probably the best way to put it. It, it. You have a pulse, and you go to the off season with some reasons to be, reasons to be excited, reasons to be encouraged. Um, I think that uh, you know, sitting here about a full year from the start of next season, I would think that next year will be better than this year. Uh, it would be pretty disappointing if it isn't considering you have so many players coming back um notre dame will be a tough game penn state will be a tough game penn state loses a lot going into next year i do think ucf is going to be with a new head coach so who knows what that team's going to look like you know it's another year where Pitt avoids playing louisville or clemson or florida state so uh coastal chaos will be the 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 usual thing again next year I don't see a reason why Pitt can't compete in the Coastal. Um, and, again, that's that's me sitting here nine, ten months out from <laughs> next football season. 
you never know what uh, what could happen in the offseason, but uh, I feel encouraged. Yeah, I, I do too. And, and Miami returns a, a lot of young players. They thought they would be a year away. They thought they'd be where they are now next year. But, again, with what Pitt has coming back is also encouraging, and it would take you know a lot to happen to take that any down a, a couple of notches perhaps. But the past couple of years, there's been question, big question marks going into it. Uh, going into camp, you know, what did you have at the quarterback position? You were confident in Max Brown coming into this year. Uh, you knew the defense would get better. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't full, unfold the way that we th- thought it would. Uh, we, you, you and I both had this team at eight wins again going to a bowl game, and I think that was a reasonable expectation. We didn't have them beating anybody that they shouldn't that they shouldn't be beating, anything like that. Uh, we did have them beating North Carolina, as they should have. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> So yeah, I think I think you you find more consistency, no coaching turnover, nothing nothing drastic like that. It'd be nice to just have an off season of just quiet, no headlines going into camp next year. Um, everybody with eligibility, things like that. But um, <laughs> yeah, let's not have suspensions right before the season. Right, that's what that's what that's what I'm saying. You don't need you don't need that type of crap because it, it would be nice to have have, you know, complete confidence going into next year instead of something surprising that pops up. If it if it goes as it is now, there's no there's no reason to believe that Pitt won't win more games this year or I'm sorry, next year than they did this year regardless of uh, like you said where the schedule lies with the young guys coming back. It will be coastal chaos once again. And and I like a lot of what a, what of our listeners said about, you know, 2018 being a, a more of a bounce back year. Uh, competing for the Coastal again and, uh, you know, getting back into a bowl game and then perhaps 2019 being the year that they make the big-time splash, get into that ACC championship game down in Charlotte and uh, really making a name for themselves. And and there's more than enough reason to believe that right now. So uh, here's hoping, here's to it, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll recap the season a bit later and, and, and break these things down. But it's been a roller coaster here, Christopher, and it's just nice to uh, – it's nice to know that the emergency brakes still work at the end of this ride and we can get off safe sound with a smile on our face and not bloody gashed in after an ugly defeat. <laughs> yeah, I suppose that's true, yeah. Um, like the Thunderbolt. <laughs> but now we have uh, pit basketball season, so. Well, they beat Lehigh. They did beat Lehigh. You know? And I suppose today we don't have to burn the program down, so that's good. Yeah, well, we've been holding off on basketball knowing that it's, you know, it'll be, we know it's going to be rough. We know it's been rough, but we, yeah, we don't have to, uh, you know, join our friends over at shout, shouting at pit basketball and shout our way through the episodes <laughs> recapping these basketball games. So, I mean, uh, yeah, we... a couple of wins under the belt, but it, yeah, it'll be an interesting uh, ride moving forward as we look a lot more at basketball now. We got blown out by Penn State, and that sucks. And then we came back and played a really, hard-fought game against Oklahoma State. And we only lost by a few points. And I thought to myself, like, that's exactly what this year is going to be. Well, what, like, that's exactly what will happen when seven freshmen are playing, like, 20-plus minutes a night. Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the, biggest, the biggest thing for me right now is the confidence level that those young players are playing with and their uh, motivation because if you have young players playing without motivation, you've got a big, big problem on your hand. Because right. they know what they're getting into. They're not expecting to win a bunch of games. 
But if you can't find ways to get young players out there that are you know coming from high school and they're getting a chance to play immediately, you've got to find ways to get you know to be motivated and be encouraged to be out there and strengthen your game, strengthen the team. If you lose that, finding a way to get that back is is really really tough to do that as sophomores and juniors. Winning solves a lot of problems, but that's that's a tough one to do. So I you know I need to see more consistency there. And yeah, a lot of that has to do with. With coaching, so uh, you know, I hate to say it, but unfortunately, the city game is coming up. Um, well, I'll be there for be. that one. I'm gonna. Oh, you will. I go to that one. I no, but I mean, like I see, I see it as you get blown out by Penn State, and you're able to regroup, and you know, 24 hours later, come back and 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 put together one of, if not your best efforts of the season. Like, yeah, the the kid, the kids play hard. They compete, and uh, I think that's all you can ask of them. But we'll have a lot more time to talk basketball. Oh yeah, we will in the coming yeah, weeks. We, and, we definitely uh, will. Yeah, we'll put together some some football season review stuff, and it'll still be fun to talk about the playoff rankings and well, chaos. Yeah, Pitt just started the chaos. Yeah, over the weekend, Alabama goes down some 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 big time games. It's going to be interesting to see Tuesday night uh, who ends up who ends up where. And uh, tell you what, there, Chris, uh, wife Katie owes you a debt of gratitude, my friend, because it looks like Wisconsin is going to get their uh, their justification of being in the top four now. They they should, and uh, as long as they, I mean, their Wisconsin, their their path is for the taking. They beat Ohio yeah. State. I don't see a way they're not in the the top four. Yeah, there's 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 no doubt in my mind either that they'll that they'll be there, but. Uh, what a wild weekend it was, uh, and all started Friday with the Pitt Panthers. Just uh, an awesome way to do it on national TV, and uh, exciting exciting for the program to end things that way. You, you wish there was a bowl game to look forward to, but uh, it still shines that bright light, like I mentioned early on, that uh, <laughs> that you can at least look forward to going into into camp and into, into next year. So we've got quite some time without football, but, yeah, we'll find a way to recap. We'll talk about... The, playoffs and bowl games and all that other fun stuff that uh that's still going on out there well thank you all for joining us we appreciate it as always uh again make sure you subscribe uh make sure you follow us on the social medias uh and if you are having trouble locating any of the places that we are uh, you can find everything on our website chris and dan podcast.com uh dan is on twitter at steel city dan 22 i am on twitter at chris underscore gates dan lovely work you too, my friend. Uh, good to be back with you to wrap the wrap the regular season up in a nice way. Uh, glad we got to enjoy that together. We've seen quite a couple of upsets uh, there side by side right. now. So uh, special times, special times. Good to see our, our friend Classy, Doug Glassy, come down. Yeah. Uh, celebrate with us, with us as well. Good to see him. So, um, yeah, I just want to say I, I know this isn't the end of our you know football season stuff and we're going to get into basketball, but it's been uh, um, an interesting season to uh, talk with you. Interesting uh, is the friend. word. Yeah, very interesting. But uh, most importantly, altogether, we appreciate our our listeners checking in with us each and every week, giving their feedback. It's what drives us, drives this podcast, and we'll continue to do so. Yep, and we uh, appreciate Rum Runners Saloon as well jumping on board yes. this season to uh, sponsor our episodes. And um, I think that about does it. So I think so. Thanks, everybody, again, and uh, we will be back at you with another episode next week. But until then, we will talk to Yins later. <laughs>